Make sure and grab out your Bibles. We're going to need those today. Turn over to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. In your bulletins, you'll also find some study notes that will help you as we go together. This morning, we're finishing up our four-week series. It is entitled, Elephant in the Room. In our society, this phrase, elephant in the room, has come to be known as a topic or a subject that nobody really wants to talk about. Everyone knows they should address it, but everyone is kind of uncomfortable about it, so they leave it alone. Thus, we get the phrase, elephant in the room. Some examples of an elephant in a room situation. You're at a company party, and you all know that there's that one employee there that has been working diligently and doing a wonderful job for over 15 years. They should have been the one that was up for the promotion, the big promotion, but instead the nephew of the boss, who has only been there for three months, got the promotion and everybody knows it's not right and they want to talk about it, but it's an elephant in the room situation. Let's say this, another elephant in the room situation. You know somebody or several somebodies, maybe somebody sitting beside you, that claim to be a Texans fan, but truly they're a closet Cowboys fan. They absolutely love the Cowboys. And although they say they root for the Texans, they, as well as everybody, know that the Cowboys are America's team. But nobody wants to talk about it. It's an elephant in the room situation. Or let's say you're at your 20th class reunion, and there's that young man there that used to be the valedictorian, the, the homecoming king, the captain of the football team, and everybody knows that he is now having this bad comb over that is actually a toupee, but nobody wants to talk about it. It's an elephant in a room situation. Or let's say this one. You know someone that you would say is a really, really good person. But somehow they're facing really, really bad times. Maybe it's a financial situation, a health issue, a relational issue in their life. Perhaps you yourself, you say, man, I'm trying to live the right way. I'm trying to do the good thing, but I have found myself in a bad situation. I try to do what's right, but bad things keep happening in my life. It's the age-old question of why do bad things happen to good people? Oh, you may not say it like that, and you don't really want to talk about it, but you're silently suffering, and you wonder, and it's an elephant in the room situation. In this series, Elephant in the Room, we are tackling some tough topics, topics that are not always easy to talk about in this kind of setting. In week number one of this series, I talked to you about sex and sexuality, and what does God's Word define as proper sex and sexuality? In week number two, we tackled the topic of society. How are we as Christ followers to relate to the society in which we live and remember that we have another kingdom that we're truly living for? Last week, uh, Pastor Ben, or we should say Dr. Ben, did an incredible job as he talked to us about science and how do we reconcile science and the believer. And I just want to encourage you, if you have missed, I know it's summertime and we've got people in and out. If you've missed any of those messages, they are timely for the time in which we live. I would encourage you to go online and take a listen. So, so far, we've talked about sex and sexuality. We talked about society. We talked about science. Today, I want to talk to you about suffering and sickness. Another way to say that is why do bad things seem to happen to good people? How are we to respond 
Here's another way to ask. Is God aware? Not only is God aware, does God care? Can God deliver us? Can and does God still heal? What does the Bible say to Christ followers when we face suffering and sickness in our lives? I want you again to turn with me to John chapter 11. And as you turn there, I want you to begin to let your faith arise a little bit in you. I want you to believe that God is going to raise something to life in somebody's life today that has seemed dead and dormant, a promise or whatever it may be that you have been waiting on, that God is going to raise something in your life. God is going to take somebody from a place of hurt to a place of healing, from a place of pain to a place where he fulfills a promise. And at the end of this service, again, we're going to be spending some time to, around these altars, and we're going to ask a miracle-working God to do miracles on people's behalf in this place. And I have sensed it all week, and especially this morning, that God wants to do something in our lives and that you've been holding out for, and he's going to do something miraculous if only we will believe. A little bit of background in John chapter 11. It's the story of a guy named Lazarus. A guy that Jesus knew very personally, he had spent a lot of time with Lazarus. He actually spent time in his home while he was walking on this earth. His friend Lazarus gets sick. Ultimately, he dies, and he is buried in a tomb. He is in that tomb for four days. It seems like all hope is lost. And Jesus, though, comes on the scene and literally raises Lazarus from the dead. It's a story of suffering. It's a story of perhaps some doubt. But guess what? It's also a story of faith, of healing, and of a miracle-working God. And it's ultimately a story of how God is to be glorified in and through our lives. Let's begin in John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. It says this, now a certain man was ill. Another translation says he was sick. Another, there, a certain man, and we'll find out later this was Lazarus. A certain man was ill. Now we don't know what he had. We don't have any indication of what his illness was, but he had gotten the doctor's call and said, listen, it's not good news and it's not just the flu. Obviously it was something terminal that was going on in his life that was leading to death. Death was imminent. A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. The village of Mary and Martha, her sister. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus... Chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Why did he tell us that this was the same Mary and Martha, that it was their brother Lazarus, it was the same Mary that anointed Jesus' feet with her hair? This is a story that hadn't even happened yet. We don't hear about the story in John until John chapter 12, the very next chapter. But in this passage, he puts it there. He wants us to know this is somebody Jesus knew very personally and very intimately. And he goes on, he says, this same one, and later we learn that Jesus loved Mary and he loved Martha deeply, but he also loved Lazarus so deeply. Passage continues in verse 3. So the sister sent 
to him saying, Lord, he whom you love, Lazarus, is ill. And your notes this morning, the first truth I want you to understand is a relationship with Jesus does not exclude you from suffering. Just because he loves you and you love him and you have a relationship with him, it doesn't exclude you that every once in a while we may go through some sufferings in this life. Now, I wish I could tell you that if you give your life to Jesus, that you'll never have a trial or never go through suffering again. I wish I could tell you would never get a doctor's report or a relationship that would break up. I wish that I could tell you there would be no suffering, but even a relationship with Jesus does not preclude us from suffering in our life. Simply not true. Again, Mary and Martha and even Lazarus was very close to Jesus. While he was physically on this earth, he spent time in their household. He loved them, the Bible said, very dearly, and yet here they are in a moment of suffering in their lives. The Bible says it like this, that it rains on the just and the unjust. The Bible says it like this, Jesus, he said in himself, in this world you will have tribulations and troubles. Then he goes on to say, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But he says, you will have situations of suffering, even though you know and you love Jesus. It's a fundamental truth we understand called the fall of man. The fall of man happened all the way back in Genesis, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they were told, you can have all of the garden except don't eat of that fruit in the middle of the tree of the garden. And they did what they were told not to do because of that sin entered into the world. And because of that, there was a curse upon this world. Sin and suffering and sickness and stuff that we have to deal with. Troubles. A curse. There is suffering, but here's the good news. There's also a Savior. It's really the gospel. We just celebrated it in communion just a moment ago. That he who knew no sin came into a world of sin so that we who are sinners can have salvation through the Savior. We will have suffering in this world. Today, by the way, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your Lord, we're going to be praying over sickness and sin and, and, and suffering, but maybe your sickness right now is you're in sin and you've never accepted Jesus. And he says, all you have to do is believe on me and confess me as Lord and give me your life. And I have already paid the price. And today is the day. Somebody in this place, your first answer is coming to the cross for salvation. Today is the day. By the way, how many have ever heard that question, why do bad things happen to good people? It's kind of a question uh, that is not completely an accurate question. R.C. Sproul said it like this, why do bad things happen to good people? That only happened one time, and he signed up for it. Let me tell you an example here. Let me tell you a truth. You and I inherently are not good people no matter what oh most people are just good people no we're all sinners needing savior we all if we were just good people and it's not just about being a good person i don't care how good you are we are not good enough we need a savior and a savior came into this world we're all sinners and need a savior all of sin the bible said and come short of the glory of god we are not inherently good, but God. So, we're not good people, but when we come into a relationship with Jesus, we become God's people. And it still raises a question. Maybe we're 
inherently not good people, but if we become God's people, why in the world, if I have a relationship with Jesus, do bad things still seem to happen? Because in this world, you will have trouble and suffering. But you are still God's people. See, I want you to understand, somebody in here has let stuff in your life keep you from being able to have joy and peace and rest that is found in God. You want to know where the place of joy and peace and rest in God comes from? It's not from the absence of problems. It's from the presence of a Savior who will walk you through those sufferings. So, first we learn a relationship with Jesus does not exclude us from suffering. The story continues. Verse 4, John chapter 11. But when Jesus heard it, so here's the thing. They say, your friend Lazarus is sick. Go send for Jesus. When Jesus had heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. Again, he loved them very much. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, listen to this next phrase and underline it. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? Number one, a relationship with Jesus doesn't exclude us from suffering. The second thing I want you to see is God can gain glory from your story. Take a look at another situation of this. Let's, let's kind of unpack it again. As I was reading that, did that just kind of sound a little weird to your ears? So Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus is sick. The passage says, and Jesus loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And then it goes and it says, so because he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stays two more days where he's at. No, if you love somebody, you hear they're sick, you don't wait two more days. You get on the next greyhound and you get to where they're at is what you would expect but God knows that he can gain glory through your story it says this illness will not lead to death it is for the glory of God and now Jesus who loved them he stays two more days longer at the place where he was at I would think that was good news hey this illness doesn't lead to death he would drop everything and go to his friend, but he stays two days longer. Have you ever been there? It's what I call pray, delay. Uh, God, I kind of need you to show up, and I need you to show up yesterday. And even though I'm praying in that moment, it seems like God's delaying in that moment. The old-time preachers used to say, he's never early, he's never late, but he's right on time. That we don't always understand it, but God, I need you to answer yesterday. And instead, when he prayed, there was a delay in my life. God, why didn't you answer right away? So much so that, get this, it says that Jesus said this illness will not lead to death. But there's a problem with that. You continue to read in John chapter 11, and Lazarus, in fact, does die. Wait a minute, Jesus. 
I thought you said this illness would not lead to death. He dies and he's literally buried in a tomb. I don't know about you, but if I was one of the disciples, I'd want to have a conversation with Jesus. Jesus, I don't understand this. He said it wasn't going to end in death. But he's now died. He's now in a tomb. You said that you were going to... I, I don't understand what is going on. And you're staying here two days longer in the place. Why did we not go right away? Your friend was suffering. Where were you? Your friend has now died. Where were you, Jesus? We called out to you. Where were you? In our lives. I lost my job. Where were you? That doctor's report came back. It's pretty devastating news. Where were you? I'm in that relationship and it ended. Where were you? My loved one has died. Where were you? They called to Jesus. He delays. Ultimately, Lazarus dies. Where were you? Check this out. After Lazarus dies, Jesus goes on to say something very unique in verse 15. His friend is dead and buried, and he says these words. For your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Do what? I'm glad that I delayed because you may not see it right now and you may be suffering right now, but I am going to gain glory through this story. He says, I'm glad I wasn't here. I'm glad that you had to go through this because when you get on the other side of this, you're going to look back and God's name is going to be glorified even through suffering. Either way, suffering sometimes, healing sometimes, either way God can gain glory in that moment of your story I know in my life I wish that God always just answered in the way that I thought in the timing that I thought but I went through a few things that have been suffering in my life I remember the first time in about 19 and 94 1995 time frame some of you have heard this but my mom who was young at the time she all of a sudden has a stroke and I remember coming home and I'm literally wondering what's going on. My mom is there, and she's not able to have her wit about her. She had fell on the ground. I come in, there's EMTs there, and I'm saying, God, I don't understand this. God, we believe, and we know that you're a God that heals. But God, right now, why is she going through this? She has served you all of her life. She is somebody who you love so deeply, but she's still suffering. She went through a number of years where she actually had to live in a nursing home, even at a pretty young age. And through that situation, ultimately, she ended up passing. And God, I don't understand it. I don't understand why in this world you have suffering. But I remember going to her funeral and, and people from all over the nursing home getting up and saying, I don't know, but this lady had a light about her and I gave my life to Jesus or I was encouraged by her. And I don't understand it, but God still got glory in that way of the story. Just yesterday, tough day every year for my family. Many of you know the story, but my sister-in-law six years ago yesterday was lost to a drunk driver situation. 
Don't understand the suffering, but a God, I know that even in the midst of suffering, somehow you can gain glory in the midst of the story. You are not excluded from suffering, even if you have a relationship with Jesus, but in it all, God can still get glory out of your story. Jesus stays two more days, and the story continues. Verse 7. He said to his disciple, now he waits two days. Now all of a sudden he wakes up one morning. He says to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go there again? I want you to understand this next truth. Jesus has and will go to great lengths to heal. In verse 7 and 8, the place where he had to go was a place where people were there with stones ready to stone him. He said, yes, but my friend is there and my friend needs me and I have and I will go through great lengths. And yes, there is some suffering in this life that we don't understand, but that does not exclude us from the fact that God is still a miracle working God. God is still more than able and we still stand in faith believing, saying, if you said you would heal, you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't always understand, but we still stand in our faith believing. And because God has and will go through great lengths to heal. So here he is going to have to go to a place where they're waiting to stone. And he says, come on, let's go. I don't care. I'll go through whatever it takes. I have got to get to my friend in whom I love. I am going to gain glory from this story. They're afraid for his life. Listen, I don't know what you're facing, but I know that you have a God who is faithful. Isaiah 53 and 5 says it like this, but he was wounded uh, for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Yes, we have suffering. Yes, we have sickness, but he still is a God who has the power to heal. And he's went to great lengths to give that as an offering unto us. Impossible, but the price has been paid. Yes, sometimes our faith is tested, but the price has been paid. Yes, sometimes it seems like we don't have hope, but we can have hope because the price has been paid. He went to great lengths. I love how 1 Peter 2 and 24 says this. Now we're in the New Testament, and he says, by his stripes, over in Isaiah 53, is by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes now in 1 Peter we were healed. It has already been paid for already done he'll go to great lengths he has gone through great lengths to be there for you in your situation and your suffering verse 11 says it this after saying these things he said to them our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I go to wake him up what he's been dead I'm going to wake him up somebody in this place needs to hear he's about to wake something up if you'll let him Verse 12, the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, that's good. He'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Hey, he's passed, but just because there seems no hope, doesn't mean it's hopeless. Verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been dead for four days in the tomb. 
Now, this is where I want us to get a faith lift this morning. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, look, you really, really, really need a faith lift this morning. Turn them, tell them a faith. Be careful. Don't say face lift. That would be a problematic situation. A faith, faith lift. Because I want you to understand this truth. Your current circumstance does not necessarily reflect your future reality. Oh, Lazarus was gone. It did seem hopeless. The flowers had been sent. The eulogy had made. Everybody was gathered. They were mourning. They'd even already had the potluck dinner. Mourners had come. He was dead. The stone was rolled in front of the tomb. But the current circumstances when Jesus stepped on the scene, did not dictate future reality. Seemed hopeless. But listen, God is bigger than your current circumstances. Lazarus is in the tomb, but listen, your current circumstances, it could change in a moment when Jesus comes. I don't know what it is that you're facing, but your current circumstance does not dictate your future. We are a people who live by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are going through something, but we will get through it, and God's name will be glorified. Whether through suffering or healing, we stand firm knowing that He is a miracle-working God. Final truth, Jesus has the power to heal, so it's time to believe again. So here he is. Stone's been rolled in front. Lazarus has died. Thought you said he was not going to lead to death. He said, ultimately, though, he may go through a momentary situation, but my name will be glorified. Here's the final truth. Jesus has the power to heal. It's time to believe again. Take a look at the rest of the story, beginning in verse 38. Then Jesus deeply moved. Again, deeply moved there says he cares. He is not unaware. The Bible says in this passage he literally weeps. He already knew he was going to raise Lazarus to the dead, from the dead, but he had such compassion. God is aware of your situation, but not only is he aware, he cares. It says here, deeply moved, he came to the tomb. He came to the hospital bed. He came to you in your moment of despair. He came to you in your moment of fear. And Jesus says this, take away the stone. Martha said, the sister of the dead man said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus calls for the stone to be rolled away. Martha comes in and says, Lord, uh, He's been dead for four days. I like the way the King James Version says it. He says, uh, he's been dead for four days and by now he stinketh. <laughs> I don't know. I just like the word stinketh. <laughs> Basically, it's hopeless. He's been dead for four days. There's no coming back from this. That situation is gone. That relationship is dead. That, that circumstance, that doctor's report is, has a final exclamation point. There is no hope. By this time, he stinketh. Have you ever been in some stinky situations where there was no hope? But Jesus comes to the tomb and says, roll the stone away. Verse 40. <laughs> Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, 
Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Verse 43, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, I don't know if this is theologically true, but I've heard it said that, uh, why did he say Lazarus, come out? Why didn't he just say come out? It's the power of the word of God. This is Jesus, God in the flesh. If he would have just said come out, the whole, end of the whole graveyard would be empty. So he says, hey, Lazarus. Come out. That's not the end of the story. Let's see how God gets glory. This one who was dead for four days. Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hand and his feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a linen cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. That's for another day, but just free for charge. Not only will he bring you out, he is going to free you and you're going to walk in newness. And you're going to have a new story for his glory. Oh, I know that there's some suffering. I know that there's some situations. I can't promise you that you will not go through suffering, but I can promise you no matter what it looks like, that ultimately through suffering or through healing, if you'll stand in faith that God is still a miracle-working God, it is time to let our faith be lifted again, that God, yes, I've been going through it, but you're walking right there. It's not the absence of pain. It's the promise of a Savior that's there with me. It's time to believe again.